Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and today I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Corey BMTG. Bro, how's it going? Oh, my God, so good now that we're back together doing the podcast. I mean, we've taken so much time off uh, with this last week that I've, I've, I'm going through withdrawals without chatting with y'all, so I'm excited. Yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I was excited about this episode. Me I mean, too. we got a new set coming out next week. We didn't talk last week. We were all busy or on vacation. Uh, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this new set because it actually looks awesome. And yes, like I've had to fake it for a while. Cause it's like, well, Innistrad's gonna, or like the new set, whatever it is, is going to be overshadowed by throne of Eldraine. Well, oh, finally yeah. it gets dethroned by rotation. Yeah. All, all of those baddies are going away. There's a few, you like gold spent dragon or Zika's chariot that still might, uh, dominate, but we get a whole new slew of cards. And most importantly, a bunch that rotate, meaning that a lot of cards that we could have previously played with but couldn't yeah. might actually do something. So I'm really excited. Yeah, it's a lot of like cards that got unbanned, right? Because like even spot removal, hand disruption, none of that stuff was good when you're just fighting adventure cards and players just never run out of steam and stuff. So yeah, it's been really interesting looking through the card pool to like build versus live decks and be like, oh, this card's actually good, but it could not be could not be to Lovestruck Beast in 100 years, you know? And it, it's been fun to check out the last two sets that we haven't really looked at these cards at all in Standard. Yeah, and, but I mean, before we actually get into it, you know, we should we, we have a special guest this week, and given that a high number of cards are adversaries in Minette Hat, we wanted to bring in our own adversary mm. who doesn't actually have any abilities, um, and, and, and that's Brian. Brian, how's, how's it going? Harsh. It's going horrible, man. Imagine living your life with no abilities. Like, <laughs> it sucks. Like, At least you're a one-two. At least you're a one-two. You're a noble squire. Uh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> is that like a no? no I, is this noble a creature type now or something? Or No, I just wanted to make a squire joke that had no abilities, you know? But okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, on a serious note, though, um, for, for everyone listening, uh, next week, we're actually going to be changing things up. Um, yes. We've we've been we've been deciding that there's you know, we want to keep talking about magic because, you know, we still play it. But uh, there's so many other things that we could be doing. And now uh, for those of you who are part of the Patreon, you have access to um, our pre-show where we get things set up, just talk a little bit and hang out. Uh, but we're going to be transitioning to spending that time instead of doing a pre-show. We're going to be doing a mini-sode called the Aspros Podcast. It's just been a joke that we've been making for two years now. <laughs> and the Aspros Podcast is going to be non-MTG related content. Um, whatever we want to talk about, it might be con it might be actual like things we watch or read. Um, each week, somebody will be bringing the bulk of it and be explaining it. And mm -hmm. if if we don't all know it. So like next week, I think Brian is going to be talking about something he's interested in and, and teaching us about it. Uh, it will not be ass say, so, related uh, for, for the record. It will not be primarily focused, but not excluding ass related jokes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm. It's not going to be an ass podcast. I mean, it might be an ass podcast, but it's not going to be a <laughs> podcast that discusses ass. Yeah. It won't literally so. be ass, but it might figuratively be ass. That's, that's for us to decide really. I think it'll have very little to do with ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At all. Except um, of course, but, the yeah, title, so, but yeah. So <laughs> yeah. look out for that. You won't, you won't have to, um, you know, all of our content goes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, and it'll, it'll be put posted there 
at a specific time. We'll be figuring that out this next week. We actually have a meeting and we're going to figure all this out. And um, and then we'll be going from there. But yeah, so so check a look at that. You'll be able to get our regular Bash Bros podcast content along with uh, mini-sodes each week. So that'll be exciting. I'm yeah, so like, for example, this... If, if I were doing it, I probably won't do the same talk about this topic next week because it'll be maybe, like, I don't know, too late by then. But if we were talking about it this week, I wanted to talk about Bishop Sycamore, which was a fake high school that ended up on ESPN playing a football game. Yeah, I heard about that. That's what? so weird. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a completely wild story. I thought, like, that would be, like, a cool topic to talk about. On, okay, like, well, we're, we're going to do that next week because you already just put the filler out, just start working on that story and, and educate us on it. <laughs> yeah, because... that sounds absurd. I'm interested in it. I'm there for yeah, it. Yeah, you can't you can't just lure us in with that and then say, okay, well, we, we would have talked about that, yeah. much like we would have talked about yeah. in Estrada Midnight Hunt right. cards this week if we didn't get distracted by half <laughs> stories we might talk about in the future. Yeah, and we Correct. can't lure us anything any in anymore. That is no longer <laughs> legal and standard. So just to clar- clarify that. Hmm. Hmm. What about lure mm. though? Is that legal? Do they reprint that? Uh, we can only hope they did. They did not. But that speaking of funnily enough, um, storybook brawl. I'm hoping that a card eventually has lure. Hmm. I want. I want a card to have lure. I want to talk to somebody that made the game. They probably tested it. Um. You know what I mean? Like it lures the first attacker. Right. Yeah, that would be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, just some like big dumb wall <laughs> that just like. You're not getting your sleigh. I'm so but, I'm so interested in actually starting to play that game because it looks so cool, you know. But I'm just like absolutely refusing to do it until I actually catch up with other stuff in my life, get done with all these commentating jobs and stuff. But I I have been super interested to try the game. It seems sweet. It's a it's a very good game, and yeah. you might get addicted to it. I did. That's why I'm um, waiting because I have an addictive personality. You know me, bro. So <laughs> yeah, I'm addicted to it because I'm so bad at it. Like it. <laughs> If it was a game where I like the strategy, I like some games you play, like a lot of board games or whatever, like you once you play it a couple hours, like you're like, OK, like I, I know what the strategy is, you know, and there's there's a little some variations on it and there's some randomness to the game and the game can still be fun after you like figured out the strategy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like that it is what it is. But I've been playing this game a lot. I mean, I haven't played the last two weeks because I've been on vacation, but prior to that, I was playing it a ton, and I feel like I am an idiot when I'm playing this game. Like, I feel like a complete moron, and, like, I'll read things on the Discord and be like, oh, wow, yeah, I, I should have been doing that all along. I'm so dumb. But, oh, that's why you've enjoyed Magic for so many years. That makes sense now. Okay. And, and actually, it really, it, it really is. Like, I know you're, you're just making fun of me, but honestly, that is why I enjoyed Magic so much. Once you got to the it's, top, you're like, yeah, I've solved it. I don't need it anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Never. It, magic's unsolvable in that regard. That's true. That's oh, true. for sure. It definitely is. Even from the MPL and Rivals results this last weekend, so many interesting decks came. Yeah. Even yeah. at the end of a format. And then still, like, the decks you probably should have been playing did best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it, but. It is really crazy that after that long, that standard was still evolving. It. It sucks that this standard format probably won't be looked at, at least in recent times, as a great standard format because people are so sick of these cards, right? Because they were they were so dominant for set after set 
that everyone was just so sick of it. You can't really look at it as a good format. But if you take a step back, it was a pretty good format with how it still was adjusting, even at the very end there. It was I fucking it was cool. awful. Yeah, I mean, we're all yeah. sick of it. Don't get me it wrong. Was, no, no, I no, never no. It has, nothing to, uh, it has nothing to do with being sick of it. It has to do with how fucking awful it was. Really? Like, oh, okay. well, A, there's like 10 cards were still on the ban list by the time that it's rotating well, out. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> and, and, then, and then there's still all the problems that were involved with like all the card generation. The, like sometimes you just, you couldn't win. Like if your opponent had certain draws on the play, you couldn't win. If you're in certain, like, like you said, like one of the things that you said when standard 2022 just started, <laughs> you're like, thank God there's no sharks because sharks just dominated for so long in any blue mirror. True. True. And yeah, like there was, there was nothing good about that format. In all honesty, there was nothing. And that's, that's what I, the Kai and Jan Merkel's match came down to. It was like, it was a shark fest. Whoever drew more sharks won. So yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. It was just Shark Week over there. Shark yeah, Week. I, yeah. I actually, uh, I'm actually going to jump in to agree with Corey's original statement. Um, Ooh. In that, that it won't be remembered as a good format. No, that it, that it, <laughs> that. So I actually, to me, this format felt incredibly similar to the year plus that we dealt with Sphinx's Revelation. Um, where it was like mono black, mono blue, Sphinx's Revelation, the same decks dominated for like an entire year. Um, because it and like nothing else really like took over. Um, and in hindsight, people don't look poorly upon that standard format. And part of it's probably because like some of the standard formats that came after were really, really awful. But, um, yeah, like people look back and like, oh, yeah, like that was actually kind of a skill testing standard format. Um, there was a lot of play to all of those decks, even though they like were dominant the entire time, and so on and so forth. And like even your analogy about the sharks, I mean, that's that was what Sphinx's revelation was too. I don't know. It 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 feels kind of very similar to that same thing where we despised that format while we were playing it because like, we, we had to play it so like much. Probably the, yeah, yeah, and we played it for a year. Like that was probably the the first time that I was ever like rotation can't come fast enough you know like everyone mm -hmm. was always excited for rotations but i remember that being the first time i was just like when is this gonna happen this is horrible like please let's rotate i actually and quit during that time frame i actually quit playing for like two years <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 then now like when people talk about that, those formats like it's it's generally not like a negative uh vibe to it so i, I could easily see that being the same with this in five years where it's like there's a little bit of uh, I don't know what the revisionist history around the how fun those formats were. Speaking yeah. of that, speaking of revisionist history, I just want to take a sidestep. Um, in the last couple of weeks, Amber and I, for whatever reason, when we were like when we're hanging out at night and we're playing, well, I got her in a storybook brawl too, so we'll both be playing it. Nice. She got a a bug to rewatch Game of Thrones, and we just had it in the background. Oh yeah, nice. And, and we rewatched the last, well, while paying attention to the last few seasons. And I remember hating them. But after rewatching, I was like, holy shit, it actually wasn't bad. I remember thinking it was bad because of my expectations. But yeah. now rewatching it, it's not actually that bad. No, like me and Tori went from, we never watched throughout the whole series, right? We just watched it all at one point after it was all done. And we enjoyed it. And then it was just up until that last episode or last two episodes, it just felt like a, 
we need to get the hell out of this series kind of thing and just scrambled for something. But the last few seasons, we still loved every bit of it up until like maybe the last or two, one or two episodes. Yeah, I thought the last, the the very last season was kind of bad, but even up until that, it it was a good show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I agree I, with you. It, like it was, it was, it was like a well made, entertaining show. I disagreed with a lot of the direction of the show, but there's no denying that it was like an entertaining show, and it was like, it was like, like for example, what 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 is the direction you didn't like? Left, west. No. <laughs> um, there were a lot of storylines that were started and unfinished. That was a big thing. Um, it, it felt like, like they, it felt like they patched together an ending versus had like had one that cohesively fit the entire overarching story. Sure. Like what storylines? I'm just trying to remember because after rewatching it, I was like, maybe there's a few things I've missed. Well, like there's like the I whole disliked. like like John Snow being the Targaryen heir type thing. Like I feel like that like just nothing happened with that. Um, like stuff like with Arya, um, just kind of that her her storyline just kind of like died out a little bit, um, and so on. Like I don't know. There were a lot of there was a lot of build up around um, like you know each person's individual journeys and stuff. And I felt like the payoffs weren't really there for a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, that that is that is true. But the the one thing I did think about is like when I, rewatching it, I, I thought in my head, I always thought that like Daenerys, like Daenerys caught us off guard with with how bad she went, yeah. how much she turned heel. But then after rewatching, I was like, no, actually, there were signs for most of the seasons. It's just we always had her as the protagonist. We always thought that what she was doing was right, but it's like actually, there's a lot of things she was doing that were like that that were red flags. <laughs> yeah, no that that never bothered me. It it bothered me the way that it happened though. Um, like it felt it felt forced rather than natural. Like so you I don't know. Like there's there's two ways you can write. You can write a story that's plot driven, where you have an a starting like you have a start and a finish of your story. And then throughout the story, uh, you know, you progress from the start to the finish, or you can write something that's like uh, character development driven, where you your characters develop over time, and you kind of like you kind of like make as you're writing the story, you're like, okay, I think that this is what this character would do now, and so you make that be their next action, and and you kind of let that dictate the way the story goes, and I felt like. Uh, Game of Thrones was very much a plot-driven story, which I love plot-driven stuff, so there's no, like, there's nothing wrong with writing that way, but it felt like it was a very plot-driven story where they had a specific endpoint they wanted to get to, but, like, in, in when it came to, like, Daenerys going from, like, protagonist to heel, or, or, I felt like they forced it in a lot of spots, um where it didn't really feel like a natural progression. It kind of felt like very abrupt. Um, same, same way with like, uh, with like uh, Tyrion as well. Like I felt like, like I felt like if all that whole situation could have played out the same way, like if uh, he wrote the like actually finished writing the books, but I feel like if you, if he did it through book form, it would have felt a lot more natural and a lot more like, kind of a normal progression whereas in the show it just felt like super choppy where it was like okay all of a sudden she's doing this now like 
okay, I yeah. guess that's what's happening. Like, no, that that does make sense. I just, I, I, I just remember the other night we just watched it, so it's fresh in my head. Is is when she won that first fight with the dragon. Yeah. Uh, and and she's like, all right, you can all you know fight for me or die. And I was like, holy shit, she just enslaved these people. I didn't think about that the first time around. Like she's the breaker of chains, and she just. I mean, she gave them a choice, but it, it's not really a choice, right? Yeah, but anyway, we we can we can be done with our five year old story. Yeah, just... five year old story, and let's talk about old standard. All right, how about we talk about some new stuff? Y'all in? All right, let's, yeah. go. let's talk about Innistrad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> talk about new stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> okay, so so just to to kick things off for everyone that hasn't been paying too much attention. Um, the new set Innistrad Midnight Hunt is, you know, uh, going back to Innistrad uh, for the third time. And with it, the first time they're going to actually have a rules change based around day and night. Now, these are like Huntmaster of the Fells flip cards that are like if if they'll flip uh, to the to the night side, if uh, no one plays a spell and if someone plays two spells, it'll flip back to the day side. Now, now they're called daybound and nightbound. And what that means is whenever a card comes into play that is daybound or nightbound, it triggers the entire game to be day or night. And if it is and not day or night, it defaults to go to day. Yes, it defaults to go to day. And so what this means is when a card will trigger to go to night, everything goes to night. All the cards flip to night. And then if somebody casts a card with Daybound or Nightbound, it'll start on that Nightbound side. So, for example, Arlen, the first card we'll talk about, it, Arlen the Pax Hope, is a two-colorless green-red Planeswalker that is Daybound. He has four loyalty, plus one is until your next turn you may cast creature spells, though they had flash. Each creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter. Minus three, create two wolf tokens. It has a flip side to be Nightbound, which is plus two, add green and red your mana pool zero until end of turn arlen the moon the moon's fury becomes a five five werewolf creature with trample indestructible and haste and the haste is important because if it's nighttime now you can cast an arlen the pax hope but it'll come to poison arlen the moon's (laughs) fury and smash with a five five indestructible haste or you could add two mana let's not get curious yeah but realistically how often do you think that <laughs> add two mana ability is ever going to be used like it it's seems like, so it, ridiculous it's like oh, you could, I think uh, it will you, you could really? play it and you can either add two mana or attack for five trample haste and indestructible <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like i mean I, I i thought a lot i wrote about it a few weeks ago in star city games uh but like it works well. So you can say go with Arlen, tick it up, play something on their turn. It'll flip to, to the Moon's Fury. If somebody didn't play two spells and you keep the keep the backside of it, like Shatter Skull Smashing. Drop. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or Shatter Skull Smashing is a card that needs eight mana to be super effective. And yeah. so I, I believe yeah. that this will happen a lot. Yeah, or, it, or it, it, it for sure will. Or like going, like, I, I just picture the most time where you're going to play Arlen and not just attack is like in gruel mirrors where it's already night. You cast Arlen, you tick up and then you burning hands there, Arlen. And then you say, go and switch this back. And all of a sudden your Arlen on the front side has six loyalty to like activate twice with the wolves. I can see that, you know, just two mana interacting kind of like Chandra torture defiance did in standard for so long. 
Yeah, I think you're looking for scenarios when yeah. just the, the the overarching theme of magic recently is it like M- Michael Majors taught us this in like 2014 with with that green white tokens deck. Always um, drink Miller Lite. Got it. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a it's a philosophy of standard nowadays, and it's just don't try to kill your opponent when you can just get an incremental advantage because yeah. the moment you trigger to kill them. They can still win at one life. And if you didn't spend that turn developing your board better, then all of a sudden they could get ahead and uh, things are bad, right? Like yeah, if you tacked for five and then they burning hands at the next turn, uh, they're at 13, you know, life and you don't have your Arlen and you don't have your other big thing in play. Yeah, that's fair. Well, yeah, burning I mean, hands would still kill it, but you know, whatever. Semantics. Well, there's... that's not what I'm, no, that's <laughs> yeah. not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like, you want to keep building a bigger board that's harder to disrupt. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it so depends on that, the style of decks and matchups, but yeah, it's a, yeah, that's a good thumb for any kind of a a deck that's not like an aggro deck or whatever. Mm-hmm. This card and, is and course, insane, though, by the way. This card's just so good. Oh, of course you're going to attack with it, too, because, like, you're going to trigger your other werewolf stuff, like... Uh, there's there's a lot of cards that like just work thematically. Like let's let's talk about Tovalar Dire Overlord, mm-hmm. which is a colorless red green three three that says whenever a wolf or werewolf you control does combat damage to a player, draw a card. And then it has an ability to flip, and it has Wolf Run on the backside. It's a four four that it has the ability of green red X give a wolf or werewolf plus X plus zero and trample, which is a really cool way to put Wolf Run in, into the set. Guess mm-hmm. Wolf Run, but this card, like, if if you flip with it and you just cast Arla and the Mune's Fury and attack and get damage, so you draw a card. So, like, the, it, it's, of course, going to have applications, but I just want people to know that, like, I think when I see the backside of this card, I'm like, that mana ability actually looks dope. Yeah. Especially when Shatterskull Smashing is in the format, and that's, that's just going to be an auto-include into all of these decks because that card has been proven to be unbelievably good. And so explain that. This- uh, Explain the daybound nightbound thing again. So, if I cast uh, Tovalar, for example, it so it becomes daybound upon if that is the first card that has been played the entire game that has day or nightbound text on it. It just mm-hmm. becomes daybound, and then it starts changing day or night from there. Or uh, what? so like, nightbound. Yes. Nightbound is just like uh, you remember Huntmaster of the Fells when you didn't cast something, then it flipped. It's the same. If you don't cast anything during a spell, it becomes night and then. But, we don't have, yeah. but it's not like a game mechanic where on turn one, I say go because I don't have a spell and now it's night. Yeah, you okay, need it that, to that, be yeah. night because it's nothing right away. You need a card and, and that every, has daybound to come in. And if there <laughs> becomes a point where there are no things in play that are day or night bound and then the next one that gets cast is just default okay, on Brian, the day Brian, side Brian, I am going to clear this all up for you by reading a magic card. Okay, are you ready? Sure. <laughs> Bold. The, Cele- the Celestis. Three mana legendary artifact. If it's neither day nor night, it becomes day as the Celestis enters the battlefield. Tap, add one mana of any color. Three, tap. If it's night, it becomes day. Otherwise, it becomes night. Activate only as a sorcery. Whenever day becomes night or night becomes day, you gain one life. You may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. See, it's easy. Cleared up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, that... Okay, cool. I got it now. That should, that should clear everything up What for you. in the hell is that card? I feel like there has to be a better way to uh, word that. That one is quite confusing. 
Yeah, the, uh, when I read that card, that's what triggered me to just start singing Day Man. Yeah. <laughs> just, Day Man. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this card should be called The Siesta, and it's just like, ah, if it's day, time to take your nap midday, and then, you know, come back to us. So basically, it's exactly the same as Werewolves from original Innistrad, with the exception that if it is night phase already, when you cast something, your thing comes in on the night side. Pretty much, yes, yeah. It, it's, Otherwise, it's, just it's so, exactly the same. Yes, it's the exact okay. same, except the game recognizes day or night, so that you don't have cards that are day or day, cards that are night. So game, the game recognizes game, is what I'm The game, game does recognizes recognize game. game. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Good. So it's going to be like and, an adventure zone as well. There'll be a day or a night symbol. So another token that you have to forget to bring and then just be like, it's day, dude, whatever. <laughs> that one is going to be easier than all the other things that you have to remember. Yeah, I, 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 I'm still so glad I never had to play real. Like, obviously, I wish that COVID never happened and is still continuing to happen. Um, yeah. But the first time that I was playing the the uh, adventures deck with Lucky Clover and escape creatures and showdown <laughs> and adventure and yeah i just had four different zones of cards in my hand and i'm like oh i'm so glad that i didn't have to do this in real life yeah awful or even just shuffle 80 cards you know like that that was another thing we hopefully we're going into a more simpler time um <laughs> when like, we actually right, well this play. is this is my first uh escape the wilds pile my second yeah. escape the wilds pile my adventure zone for whatever <laughs> my dungeon that I'm two, you know, two <laughs> rooms deep in my dungeon right now, and it's night. You know, <laughs> and we need two tables to play this one game of magic at every single destination. Yep, that's pretty much. Yeah, how it and goes. somebody and somebody opened the door of the game shop, and everything blew away. <laughs> Damn it! Oh yeah, and, and one of, and one of the one of the last SCGs <laughs> before COVID hit, uh, it there was um the Golos deck, right? The the Golos ramp deck in standard. And well, I watched a mirror of that on coverage. It was a team open and I was like, this is this is this has to be the 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 worst thing possible to do with your time. Just like <laughs> <laughs> just how many zombies come in and trade. Yeah. It's <laughs> lovely. It seemed awful. But yeah, so so Arlen and the and 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 Tovalar are good examples of how day and night are going to work. And I think I think that's really interesting. Um, but then, just so you know, like a card like Delver Secrets is now being printed again, and I'm not going to read that because we all should know that card. Um, but that doesn't have daybound or nightbound. So it's not like if it's night, your Delver is going to come in as the operation or whatever. And mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just a normal double face card that operates similar to uh, Delver of Secrets from the original Innistrad. So. Yes, it's it, it almost interacts completely the same as Delver Secrets from the original. Well, we got to talk about Delver while we're here because I think that is the card the most people are like, oh my God, this card, because, well, we all have fond memories or unfond memories of it when it was good. Do we think it's going to be good at all now? No. Yeah. I think Delver is going to suck complete ass. Yeah. Same. <laughs> like, there's no ponder, gut shot, Gitaxian probe. Like. There, there is one. There's one. Uh, they, 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 they made a better opt called consider it's yeah. blue. Look at the top card of your library. You may put it in your graveyard draw card. Yes. Yeah, the surveil opt or whatever. So yeah. there is one thing that Delver gets now that it didn't get at the time where it was good. Losing ponder, having really cheap spells. Of course, that's the, the biggest thing. But the one thing we do have going for Delver now is a lot of the lands hit. 
you know, so we have spike field hazard, we have shatter skull smashing that flips it. And like stuff like that is the only way that I think this card is can ever see play is you just really take advantage of the fact that you play four spike field hazards, you play three shatter skull smashings, and now seven lands or hits for this to flip. But I do not think that's enough to be a good card either. But that's that's all. That's, I actually, know. That, the, that's actually good. That's actually pretty cool. Like those yeah. are cool interactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but you're now you're you're a tempo deck that you're taking damage when you're trying to race or your lands are coming to play tap. Exactly. I mean, it definitely does work. I I agree with that, but it's like. Wizards, I think Wizards actually gets off on reprinting cards that they know aren't going to be good. That yep. that'll give people the idea. Like we oh, see yeah. it all the time. People, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, they 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 love to do that, and people lose their shit every time, and they're it's always like unplayably bad. It's like tempered steel in in historic. Everyone was like, "No way!" It's like that boomer card is not good well, anymore, y'all. <laughs> like historic's like the one example where it's like literally just a dumpster fire of a format where they just throw literally anything into it, and it's a broken format. Like that's <laughs> yeah. where they they actually put reprints in that were wrong. Like yeah. memory la- memory labs, lightning helix. <laughs> Like these Jeskai decks are just too good. And now the Cascade deck is hilariously too good. Yeah, and while the we're Cascade speaking of that, deck? and while we're speaking of that, uh historic arena open is this week, as well as the Star City Games tour is historic as well. It's a great format, not broken whatsoever. Go play in them. What is what is the Cascade <laughs> deck? Oh, it's so a delight. They, they the the new set brought the Cascade card that's three colors red, Cascade with um rebound or whatever the not rebound the ability retrace. where you can discard a land retrace, retrace. yeah okay. so it's and the t- deck plays <laughs> the deck plays um magma opus to you know the eight mana card that can make a treasure yes you know turn three or whatever yeah and you just tibalt's trickery into a bunch of busted stuff and you get to if you never draw a trickery you get to do it three turns in a row because of rebound <laughs> It still just cannot. It still just cannot beat a control deck to save its life. So I we'll see if that deck actually has an impact in best of three. It's like wrecking best of one, but it it still feels like more of a meme to me. But I could be wrong. Yeah, it seems it seems like an all in deck that could be very easily hated against. So so in in a in a dedicated competitive atmosphere, I agree with you. uh, The control decks, and I think like the best way people are finding is to take that stuff out and bring in four gross bars, four explorers, and then seven can't be countered awesome cards. Mm. Um, and that's that's the sideboards for most decks. But we, the, what where I'm getting at is that that format is so imbalanced. Oh, yeah. So embarrassingly imbalanced at this point uh, that, like, y- y- your normal gruel or jund or whatever just gets embarrassed by it all of these decks like yeah the the new um they brought sarah's emissary into the format now too so the so you know we're, at first we're, what what's the indomitable creation indomitable was getting creativity. the dragon to do time walk so they got rid of time walk then people are getting coma now they just get sarah's emissary and they just name creature and now creature decks can't win right uh, and 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 it's a seven seven and so can't be unholy heated and yeah yeah and and if you're up against a deck where you you still have interaction stuff you can just your first sarah emissary you can just name instance right yeah and then they can't interact with that and they can't attack their phoenixes through the seven seven because they can't burn it like it's just and then and then there's just jeskai control 
that has uh the physics mastery gear hulk stuff that that everyone's talking about oh look at me i'm 30 and 4 with this deck so like Historic's supposed to be a casual format, but it's just broken all the time. <laughs> yeah, and we blame you, Brian, for designing that that creature as well. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> what I, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. They just took cards. <laughs> they just took a handful of cards that were designed for Historic that have actually had an impact, or not a Historic Modern, and we're like, yeah, we'll throw it in Historic. Like, Historic is just <laughs> so mistreated and mishandled it's it's You're, it's hilarious yeah and these are all the reasons why historic is the best format in magic right now oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's oh yeah yeah and we still get to just blame the people that design modern horizon 2 because you didn't have right. historic in mind that they were going to insert these cards also into that format what the hell is wrong with you did historic even exist yeah it probably did knows. but who i don't know, know. Historic- it did. It did. Okay, it did exist back then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was starting around then. It started at the end of like December 2019. I'm pretty sure. I was actually really happy with uh, Sarah's emissary because that one was like surprisingly a very difficult card to to make, and I, I felt like we actually did a pretty good job of of figuring out like roughly how to balance it. Yeah, for, for no. modern, for modern, of course, not yeah. for not for historic. But. Yeah, you made it unplayable in one format and completely wrecked the other one. Nice. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on to our next cards. Um, <laughs> I I, I want to talk a minute about these uh, adversaries actually because okay. they're like the new cycle. The green one isn't out, or there isn't one. Um, but so far there's a white, blue, black, and red adversary, and what these are all are all colorless and then white, colorless, blue, colorless, black, colorless, red creatures. They all have an ability. White has mm, life. That's not true. It's flesh. too colorless for black and too colorless for red. No, he's talking, talking about, about the, the casting He's talking about the casting cost. Oh, shit. Call, Sorry. My bad. My all, bad. They all cost yeah. two mana. My bad. Yeah, they they all have an ability that is, you know, contextual to their color pie. White has lifelink. Blue has flash. Black has death touch. Red has haste. But then they all have a, an ability where once it comes into play, you may pay a certain amount of mana uh, and as many times as you want to have an effect happen multiple times. All, all of them are, if you pay the mana, it gets that many counters on it in one way or another. Um, white just puts gets plus one, plus one to all creatures. Uh, so it's colorless white, three, one. And when it comes to play, you can pay colorless white as many times as you want. Let's say you pay three times, then it gets three counters on it that main all your creatures get plus one plus one uh three times blue is phasing black is makes two twos that zombies with decayed and red is um, goblin dark dweller essentially yeah it is actually it is just a, a new goblin dark dweller yeah. if you paid uh three colorless two red you'd get a three three and it does goblin dark dweller ability except it's haste uh, and it has the split card of just being a two mana two two haster so it's incredibly better than goblin dark dweller which i love i love that one so oh, we want to take guesses on what the green one is my guess is the token text because like they all have like you know it's like flash death touch lifelink mm-hmm. i think the green one's going to be tarmogoyf um and then its ability is going to be drawing cards for each creature you control. Now, I think it's going to deal uh, damage, <laughs> uh, deal damage equal to its power to X amount of creatures. That's yeah, that's my yeah. call. Yeah. Uh, are you guys making a joke? Is this a bit? It's over my head. If it no, is. I'm just I'm guessing the card, but 
I maybe you were doing a joke about the green one always being like some like like green just always getting like super ridiculous cards. And then I made a genuine oh, guess sure. what I thought it would be, but yeah, I guess we mixed that together. They they already made the Tarmogoyf, sadly, in consuming blob. It's a three colors green green ooze, and its power and toughness is equal to the number of uh cards uh card types in your graveyard, and its toughness is equal to that number plus one. But then at the beginning of uh your end step, you create another one each turn. Gotcha. Mm. Uh, so they made a Tarmogoyf-ish card. If there is a green adversary, I mean, sometimes they don't have a full cycle. That'd be so weird. Uh, I mean, sometimes they don't. Like, if you look at it, like, uh, like multicolored cards sometimes eat up those spots. And there's just certain things like, you know, what what are they? What are they ad? What are their adversary? I don't know. Like, the, sometimes they do that. Yeah. Maybe there is a green one. But uh, if it if it does have abilities, I'm assuming that it uh, it messes with graveyards. I think I saw it. And I think Kibler has a preview card tomorrow, so I'm just shooting my guess that it's then. But uh, that's just me. Oh, you've already seen this card? No, I have no idea. But there's a schedule of when creators release their cards, and I think Kibler oh. releases one tomorrow. And that seems like a Kibler s card to to release, you know? It's probably a mythic because oh, it's Kibler. Like. Or or he actually gets Huntmaster of the Fells. Oh, that could be too. The, the, new, the new update of Huntmaster of the Fells. Or I let's feel get like, real. He's getting a dragon. Yeah, or Huntmaster. Hunt, I mean, he won a Pro Tour with Huntmaster, right? Oh, and also yeah. the wolf. The wolf that didn't get blocked, like... Yeah. He's got so much history with Huntmaster of the Fells. Oh, that's right. Didn't you're not gonna block? Take twelve. <laughs> he also has a ton of history with Daybreak Ranger. So yeah, uh, and the history there is he thought that card was gonna be busted, so bought just a metric ton of them, and they never. I really it. hope there's a day bound Ranger in the set. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he could just invest uh, buy buy like four hundred of them or whatever. <laughs> love it. But yeah, so what do you guys think of these uh, adversaries? Because I love the fixed ability of you only invest mana. You don't have to sink your mana into a counter spell. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think the black is the worst, then the white. I think those are two are just okay, but I think red and blue are strong. I think the red is the best, and then and then blue, I think, has a lot of potential. Um, just being a flash flyer, we've seen these kind of stats already be good with like rattle chains and stuff, but being able to play a deck that maybe pairs up with Goldspan Dragon um and like jasperis and i don't know any way to like add a bunch of mana and then all of a sudden during your turn you can just phase out all your opponent's blocker and alpha swing i think that might be kind of cool but uh i could also see that card just not seeing play as well but the red one is just good yeah i'm 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 torn because like it feels like the tainted adversary should be good with making tokens but they all have decay decay which is, is just too bad yeah it seems bad like just so so now now the zombie tokens have decayed in this format um which i do love the idea that we come back here and the zombies are just weaker um yeah. because they've just they've rotted <laughs> but like these creatures can't block and whenever you attack with them you sacrifice at end of combat so it's just it's just it's so weak for zombie tokens yeah and there's yeah, that, some cards the black one I could see the black one being really strong if it if if it had the zombie support that it had last in a stride. The zombies were were super good then. But. And there's one yeah, card but that it kind of combos with that's decent, and that is a uh, puppet stitcher. 
It is two colorless blue. It is a flip card for a 2-3 human wizard. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token with decayed. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more creature tokens, you may transform this. And the flip side is creature tokens you control lose all abilities, which would include decay, and have base yep. power and toughness 3-3. Three, three. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you may transform it back. So that's a way to just keep those zombies laying around. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, all right, now I'll flip this. And now I have three threes that are coming in that are not decaying. Like something like that could be good, but that, that sounds like seems, a, it's yeah. it sounds like Ezekiel's chariot with extra steps. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. That card does seem really cool, though. Like I I love token generators, especially ones like that. Like like a I don't know what he is like a like a, a weird pyromancer or something. I don't, kind of I don't yeah, know. but yep. yeah, no, that card seems really cool. Like that would be a card that I would want to build around. Is is that card? Yeah, and but it's it's you filthy casual. It's another yeah. card that's like it's so weird because you need a bunch of instants and sorceries to pair with it, but then what you play a bunch of cards like Tainted Adversary to make more zombies. It just feels like that style of deck is being pulled into weird, very different directions. You well, know? you just don't play Tainted Adversary. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's a good point. You, you don't play other token making. I mean, you could play other token making things if they're spells. Like there was like that, you know, rise from the grave or whatever was in the last Innistrad and that card would have been perfect in a deck like that. Yeah, that's a good point. It's also just a very easy body to kill, which is rough. And it switches into an artifact, which like Prismari Command is still going to be played. So I, I don't think it's going to see play, but you never know. It's a card that could also just be broken um, or just I don't unplayable. Think it's, yeah. I don't think it's broken yeah. I, or that it will be like, uh, you know, it probably won't see that much play, but it's it's kind of like a, a hero type card where you get rewarded for just playing magic. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you've been playing way too much Starbuck, bro. <laughs> Why? You just a hero type mechanic. You just oh, I meant Hero Precinct one. Oh, okay, um, okay, Brad, yeah. you've been playing too much Starbuck, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... Oh, too good. Oh, that's too good. Yeah. All right, let's talk about let's talk about planes, two walkers, of my planes, favorite. walkers, planes, walkers. Oh, we can talk about planes, walkers. Yay! Um, yeah, <laughs> let's talk about first off, Ren and Seven. We've known about this card for a while. Three colors, green, green. Five loyalty, four abilities, plus one. Reveal the top four cards of your library. Put all lands cards revealed this way into your hand, and the rest in your graveyard. Zero. Put any number of a land cards from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. Minus three. Create a green tree folk creature token with reach and this creature's power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. Minus eight, return all permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. You get an emblem with you have no maximum hand size. Mm -hmm. Because all green cards need to make sure that we don't go to discard. Yeah, you can't discard. That's no good. But I think this card's awesome. It's honestly only really, it can read as two abilities to me the plus one to mulch and the minus three to make a tree folk but i think the tree folk is so extremely good for a couple reasons where renin six curves perfectly from azika's chariot into this where you make a tree folk crew it copy the tree folk when you attack with chariot this is kind of known quantity people have been seeing this uh, and I think that's very good. But I also think just the ability of that secret reach being huge against Goldspan Dragons, which is going to be such a good card. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think that negative three ability is very strong. Yeah, this card also might be the linchpin for any of these graveyard. Like, Golgari yeah. is all based around graveyard shenanigans. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm not going to say if it's going to be good or not, because again, it just sounds like the way we play magic with extra steps. Yeah. The things, the things that the graveyard decks look to be doing are pretty bad. Like the one, one cool thing I'll talk about, uh, is old stick fingers. It's a X black green horror. And when you cast this card, reveal the top card of your library until you reveal X creature cards, put all the creatures revealed this way into your graveyard and put the rest on the bottom of your library. Uh, and then old stick fingers, power toughness equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. When I first saw this, I was like, man, what if you could build a blue, black splash green control deck uh, with no creatures in the main or hell, you could have a few. And then your sideboard plan is to just bring in like a few of these and four shades and you just cast this <laughs> and you just put four shades in your graveyard. You're like, that's my game plan. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that sounds like a classic 45% go garbage deck. I'm I'm here for it. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to play control in this format. Yeah. But I just thought I was like, shade shade does seem like still a good magic card. Agreed. Uh, depending on how many. Contr if, contr if control exists. Yeah, depending on how many uh, spike field hazards, if the control decks are red, like that's the only card that really is just insane against that, but. I like this Planeswalker a lot. Like I, it, um, I like that it just generates a consistent level of value for you, but mm -hmm. it's not annoyingly oppressive. It doesn't, or it. Sorry, I should say it doesn't look like it's annoyingly oppressive. Who knows what yeah. will happen in practice? But it's not. It doesn't look like Nissa, where it's like my opponent played Nissa, and I must answer it now, or I will never win. You know, yeah. like you can probably let your opponent keep Ren out for a few turns, and, and it'll be cool, but while they have it out there you know like they're not gonna be missing any land drops which is nice for any of these kind of like grindy go long type decks like mm -hmm. they're gonna be making a big creature or whatever like i don't know i, I yeah. like oh, i i agree completely with you Same. I like the design on that card it's nice that like say, uh, sorry sorry go ahead i was gonna say that you know they have ren and six and now ren and seven and they're all like it's ren is like grafting onto these trees or whatever yeah, mm -hmm. I think I think the next card should be called Ren and Stumpy. Very nice. Very nice. I'm That's, actually yeah. disappointed I didn't interrupt you more during that thought. Yeah, I knew you would be I knew you would regret not interrupting <laughs> yeah, me there. But yeah, yeah. So, sorry. Sorry to have to. Well, actually, you though, but well, actually, Ren doesn't name his true con constructs so um, oh, okay that's why it won't be stumpy because ren doesn't get emotionally attached and as far as the gotcha. lore goes for this card did you guys actually know why uh ren and six is afraid of ren and seven this is why because why be why is because seven eight nine <laughs> And Teferi who slows Corey's Sunset. Yeah. Two colorless blue white. Legendary Planeswalker Teferi for loyalty. Plus one, choose up to one target artifact, up to one target creature, and up to one target land. Untap the chosen permanence you control. Tap the chosen permanence you don't control. You gain two life. Minus two. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them in your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Minus seven, you get an emblem with untap all permanents you control during each opponent's untap step, and you draw a card during each opponent's draw step. You have to uh, bust I, I, oh, I'm out sorry. Of I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa, I'm I'm sorry. Um, I thought that this set was going to stand. I I didn't think this was a commander set. 
<laughs> yeah, no kidding. This looks like a commander card to me because bust out the damn micro uh, microscope to be able to read the text on that thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and honestly, after reading it all a couple of times, I was just like, wow, I wish I never read this and just never put it in a deck because that's what I'm going to be doing with that card. Yeah, really? I think it's, it's I, trash. I don't think it's, oh, yeah, I don't think it's good. Complete trash. Teferi Time Reveler is just sitting there and be like, you cost how much and you do what? <laughs> well, yeah, but that card was, you know, yeah. bannable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it doesn't look great to me, but I like, I could very well see it being a decent card. Like, it, it kind of seems like a, like a combo card. Um, yeah. To me. Yep, that that could be. But yeah, it just doesn't defend itself. You know, it it checks out some cards. Maybe if it had five loyalty and it could tick down twice without going away, you know, you could see it just being a good card uh, selection style Planeswalker, but not defending itself, only giving your creatures like pseudo vigilance, tapping stuff in combat. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't see it. It does. It's also itself. blue and white. It's also blue white. No, it doesn't defend itself. No, it doesn't. It does. It untaps an art piece of artifact mana and a land, and then you can cast a removal Ooh. spell. If bridge is tapped, <laughs> if ensnaring bridge is tapped, you can untap it and then say go. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Now I, I, yeah, like that's why I, I could see this being like this card looks like it would be really good in like those uh you know like those like side decks that you were playing in that one standard format you know it, in a deck kind of like that where it's like you can you you play it and then the turn you play it it kind of like you can untap two things and it makes it a little bit cheaper to have cast it you yeah. play like maybe one or two more things and then the next turn is where you can like you can really like start using it but yeah, yeah. I, I mean i don't think it's i don't think it's great it's just I, just, I could see it being playable, like playable in a niche strategy. I just love that that's what Planeswalkers are that we're talking about now. Like Ren and Seven, yeah, I think this one looks good. Probably the best, maybe second best to Arlen in the set so far. But just the fact that it, we we don't look at a Planeswalker and just immediately go like, oh, great, that's going into every deck. You know, like that's, I think you said it best, BBD. Planeswalkers should have this niche role that helps out this kind of weird version of the color pie. Like, you know, certain Gruul decks like Arlen, certain don't. Not just every Gruul deck, start with four, like Chandra, you know, like Nyssa. And I love that they're powered down and we don't have to deal with that bullshit anymore. I mean, I could see every green red deck playing for Arlen. I can too. I, I, think, I, I think Arlen is I, very good, but I do, I do agree with what like that though. Yeah, like yeah, it feels like a niche card, and that's I like that. That's what a, uh, they made this Planeswalker basically. Oh, I think green red. Some version of a green red deck is going to be like disgusting, especially like splashing like Jun monsters, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Feels like a real deck to me because you know we can talk about the land cycle too, like. The land cycle is very good when paired with the the previous creature lands and pathways mm -hmm. um, because they just come into play when the others wouldn't, you know, like the creature lands. So, like, if you wanted to play green, red, splashing black. Um, Teamer doesn't you, have the you, support, though. Doesn't have the same support that John would. You know. Well, yeah. And, and yes. And and. It, enemy shards yeah uh yeah like it has to be ally shards mm -hmm. if it's an ally shard then then you have access to 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 
to do two dual lands. Yeah. Um, and so like Jund just feels like a real thing. And you know, splash splash and removal, splash from Tibalts. That's that's a deck that's in my article that just went up today. That like <clears throat> I was trying to build Augur of Autumn decks, and I don't even think Augur of Autumn looks like a mid-range card. It looks more like a we'll talk about that. We'll move on to that since I brought it up. Augur of Autumn is a colorless green green two three. Uh, very similar to Corsair Crucifix. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may play lands from the top of your library, but it has a covenant ability that says as long as you control three or more creatures with different powers, you may cast creature spells from the top of your library. Mm -hmm. So it's not a Corsair Crucifix in the sense that you want to play it in a mid-range deck, but it is a very powerful card if you play it in a deck that not only has a bunch of varying um, casting costs. Like Think of like uh, the old school Nye Adventure decks when they used to play the Spirit Maker. Clarion Spirit, yeah. Yeah, Clarion and Spirit. And and it just feels like there's power there. But then also, like if you played this along with the Sentinel Magda Gruel deck, splashing a little black for removal, and you got Tybalt Azika's Chariot, Goldspan yes, Dragon. Azika's yeah. Chariot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You might just have a, a deck there, right? It looks robust. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. And Jund with Tybalt seems awesome awesome to me i've been also somewhat interested in gruel because i agree with you brad i think gruel is just going to be in insane it, it's it feels like the most push mechanic by far they wanted arlen to be good they wanted it to see a lot of play it's going to and i was really interested because with jasper sentinel magda and azika's chariot as your like starting blocks for gruel with cards that we don't have in the set like you can really do anything you know, you can really do an easy splash. So I'm even thinking like you can do Teamer with maybe All Runs Epiphany, Expressive Iteration, Negate, stuff like that, if that's what the metagame calls for. But I, I never really thought of Jund because I didn't think any big stuff it adds. But Valky Tybalt is a nice one for that. Oh, yeah. I think Valky Tybalt was very pushed down from the previous format mm-hmm. and is just an exceptionally powerful magic card. Yeah, that sounds good. Naya, there's probably some stuff there. Like you get Showdown, your four drops are really clogged already with Azika's Chariot and Arlen, so Showdown would be a little tricky. But you know, green, red, white for for that seems seems doable as well. Well, I think I think Werewolf decks. If we're going to talk about Werewolf decks for a minute, um, I think that those decks are going to be close to mono green, splashing red. Um, yeah, just because just because you need double green on turn two to be as effective as possible to play the. Uh, whatever it's called the the wolf um yeah the two drop right yeah the three wolf, three for green green wolf pack leader yeah yeah wolf pack leader and you got rangers class like if you want to go down that route um i think that you commit to that mm-hmm. and and that's just that like arlen Ar, like arlen is not what you want to play after your opponent played a chariot you want to play chariot into a chariot or or something even bigger so i think that arlen the pax hope is going to be a thing Mm -hmm. but there's there's a chance that it's it's not as good um as we think it might be yeah i'm more interested in instead of the werewolf i think the werewolf stuff is cute (laughs) but i think it's like more like we look at mono green right now pretty one-dimensional like if you just if you deal with their creatures on curve Sure, maybe they get to be a Faithless Haven deck, which which gives them some appeal. But with Layer and Den of the Bugbear, I don't think you have to be incentivized to go down the snow route. And I think it's just better. Jaspera Sentinel, Magda, Zika's Chariot, Renin 7, Goldspan Dragon, right? Like, I just think that seems better than Werewolves to me so far. And then you don't have to worry about just a creature type or you don't have to worry about being all mono green 
because that that shell just seems so good to me uh, already. Well, and and one card to to bring up that you didn't bring up that might just fit in over all these augers and other things is Briarbridge Tracker. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a two colorless green vigilance when Briarbridge Tracker enters the battlefield investigate, mm -hmm. which is creating clues. Uh, clues are back, and then as long as you control a token, Briarbridge Tracker gets plus two plus zero. So these tokens can populate from so many different ways. Magda, Goldspan, Dragons, Zika's Chariot. So you can still crack your treasure or your clue, attack with it alongside a dragon. The dragon makes a treasure. All of a sudden, it's four power again. Yeah. No, I think this card is awesome. And it's just it just spells out, like, after you play Chariot, drop this card on turn five, crew it, attack, maybe copy a clue, and then draw off oh, the clue. Yeah. Like, that play seems sweet. Oh, yeah. Instead of making another 2-2, two, two, you make clues. Oh, yeah. I hope we're, we're once again in a format where there is relevant decisions to be made over which three drops you're like, you, you know, Briarbush Tracker or Augur of Autumn mm -hmm. or whatever. And maybe you play both, but then you're missing out on another one. But it's like you actually have a decisions to make there and it's not just Love Struck Beast, Bone Crusher Giant. Like, yeah. I don't know. Exactly. No, and I agree. I, I, I think there will be decisions because both these cards also, I feel like fit different decks. Like Briarbridge Tracker seems to fit like the Jun deck I'm talking about. Yes, like heavy card advantage removal spells. Yeah, yeah like playing playing for Shatter Skull, Smashing, maybe some Dragon's Fire, and some of the new removal spell that. Uh, where is this again? Foul play that makes a treasure and kills a small creature, right? No, I was thinking Infernal Grass, Colorless Black, Instant Destroy Target Creature. You lose two life. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't even think Foul Play is a cyborg card for a deck like this, because if like I'm more going to look at cards like play with fire or whatever is the best, che really cheap, get your like vampire zombie mm -hmm. or white weenie creature. Because I also think I also think there's a good chance that there is a mono white aggro deck. Oh, yeah, because there's a ton of support. Like there's a card that that's uh, Adeline Splendid Cathar, which is effectively just um a scaling bream ass yeah it's it's a legendary human knight vigilance uh it's power times is equal to number of creatures control so it's a one four on its own and then whenever you attack for each opponent create a one one human creature attacking uh that player or planeswalker they control so this card is just a new bream as that can be better than bream as if you have three or more creatures yeah and wow, I, and honestly curve that into intrepid adversary even just kicking that once glorious anthony and your team like it seems like a lot of like alpha strikes with intrepid adversary is going to be great like that card can die easily so i don't expect it to be the most amazing thing but that one turn that you play it attack with everything and then you still get to pair all this deck with luminarch aspirants usher the fallen those are still great aggressive creatures that's that that card's really sweet because the the huge issue with brimaz was your opponent just has like an 04 wall and you're like shit you know i can't yeah. do anything like you you're like you're you're slowly making a couple of tokens or something but you're not really getting any anywhere so yeah, and then um and then speaking on the white weenie stuff, like uh another card that just came out today was Guardian Savior. It's a three colors white white, three three flying, and when it enters the battlefield, if you cast it, return up to two target creatures with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Holy so that shit. also works. Yeah, that works with Intrepid Adversary as well. Like if you have seven mana, you can play this, get the adversary, kick it, and then give everything plus one plus one. But yeah, that card seems awesome at bringing back 
um luminar aspirate because that card dies all Luminar the time yeah. yeah yeah now that that card i love the so guardian savior is one of the kinds of white cards that i love playing mm-hmm. I, I love like the you know trade off then get them back or sacrifice them for an effect and then get them back or whatever like yeah. solid gameplay so and then we that s- card is yeah. yeah, and then we still have Skyclave and Elite Spellbinder. So yeah, there is a lot of white cards. Holy crap. And of course that would be snow. And then you get Faithless Haven because the white creature land from D&D set is complete trash. So you you definitely just want to play Faithless Haven, but... Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean... Wow, and, and that that's just like, Yeah, and we also have uh, Legion Warhound for sideboarded games of, of white decks, uh, which I'm, bark, I'm bark. thinking might be a thing. Might be a thing. So yeah, like... Uh, and there's a few new like white removal spells that might be passable. Like there's another um, exile their creature, which is kind of cool. Uh, Brutal Cathar. It's a two two for two colorless white. When this creature enters the battlefield or transforms into Brutal Cathar, exile target creature and opponent controls until this creature leaves the battlefield. So it's a daybound on a white card that it just turns into a first strike three three with ward three. But when you play it. You can also get a second creature taken from it if if it ever goes tonight. Yeah, think about this. Going Brutal Cathar, take a creature. Your opponent goes, play another creature, and then you just go, okay, uh, land, attack with Faithless Haven, say go, flip this, take another creature, and all of a sudden it has, you know, it's Ward 3 life, not Ward 3 mana. Ward 3 mana would make this card completely broken. But paying, being able to pay three life, not as big. But even that sequence of just attacking with your creature land, your Faithless Haven, the turn after you play it seems pretty good in some matchups, you know? So that would cause it to flip to night, but then it has to flip back to day for it to actually get something exiled again, right? Oh, wait. Oh, okay. When it or transforms into Brutal... Brutal is the front side. Okay, okay, that doesn't take another one. All right, that's not as good, but still still does seem strong. Yeah, I like that there are, like, I don't really care about red-green type decks or whatever, like, that's Brad's territory. Yeah, yeah. I like that there's, like, I feel like there's a variety of uh, different styles of decks that it feels like could be very viable or that... Mm -hmm have their own like build around power um in this set and it's not just you know generically really good cards that tend in recent years to have to lead to green decks being the best yeah uh deck no i totally very easily be the case again because i mean some of the cards are just that like the um the two three drops are kind of generically good green cards but yeah the tovlar really scares me to be honest which card? The Tovalar? Tovalar. Yeah, just the fact that you can go Rangers class or pack leader and then play this and then attack and you draw a card. Like, I, I, I think that is just really good and I hate that kind of snowball-y uh, effects, essentially. Yeah, I'm not as... I guess I'm not as worried about that because that is, like, more tribally centered. Whereas, True. like, Briar Ridge Tracker is just always a good card or auger bottoms just like maybe not always i augers maybe not like quite as good or something but it's i like, agree i agree with the travel stuff except for the fact that 
they kind of force feed us tribal stuff nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Like 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 the adventure package was tribal, but it was still one of the best things you could do. Yeah. Yeah. The, the rogues too, too the much. rogues deck was tribal, but it was kind of messed up. Yeah. And 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 so like just just having a few key powerful things because all these cards are fine on their own. And yeah, Tovlar is just for Wolf Werewolf, but there's a lot of like cheap wolves and werewolves that are just fine to play like like there there's a card that was spoiled it's a it's called outland liberator it's a flip card it's colorless green human werewolf they daybound side is just a two two and you can pay a colorless sack it to destroy an artifact or enchantment and then the flip side is the same ability on a three three but whenever it attacks you can also destroy an artifact or enchantment so like this 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 card is playable and if it just comes down early and flips the tovlar like then mm-hmm. you know it's just like the the cost isn't that high to play a card like this yeah i want to i want to bring up one card that i think is pretty interesting and the flavor of it is awesome while we're on tribal uh this this one's championed of the perished it is one black for a zombie one one whenever another zombie enters the battlefield under your control put a one one counter on champion of the perished it is champion of the perish for humans but for zombies And the one thing that makes me pretty excited about this is if you like the zombie mechanic has looked somewhat pushed so far. So I think this has the chance to actually be decent. If you go this card into uh, Jadar, a ghoul caller of Nefalia, I probably butchered that. But anyways, it is one colorless, one black legendary creature, human wizard. At the beginning of your end step, if you controlled no creatures with decayed, create a two, two black zombie creature token with decayed. Uh, one one. So if you go champion of the perished into this champion becomes a two two on end step it becomes a three three, and then when you attack with the zombie, you know on turn three you could play a zombie attack with their decaying zombie attack with champion which is a four four, and then at end step you get that another zombie into play because your decayed creature dies, and then all of a sudden champion of the perish is a five five, and all you did on turn one through three is just play a zombie each turn. It just happens to be. Jadar has to be the second one, but that seems kind of strong to me. I think Jadar is not a zombie himself, but yeah, like oh sh- yeah. no, that's huge. Yep. Okay. No, that's a that's a huge thing, but still a four four. Yeah, well, we'll see if zombies or vampires. Like they definitely have a lot of cards that I feel like like might get there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, and there's also a lot of werewolves that might get there. Like there's a few that I look at. And I'm like, you know, this card like. Reckless Storm Seeker, two colorless red, two three at the beginning of combat on your turn. Tar creature control gets plus one plus zero and gains haste until on turn. So it at worst is a three three haste. Oh wow. And then its flip side is a three four and it gives it plus two plus zero and gains trample and haste until on turn. So like not the most impressive magic card in the world. Um but at the same time, like it might see play. Like there's just a lot of these cards where I don't know how to evaluate their power. And We'll see how they all go. It's just like you t- uh, you just have to show me a deck that can compete with, you know, Goldspan Dragon and Azika Chariot decks because that's right. going to be the the litmus test. But you know? speaking it's like of- you, you you put all this effort in into building up your champion, the perished and it's still smaller than chariot, you know, or still the same size. It still trades with a chariot that also made two tokens, you know, even though you're getting like a mana, you know, you're trading a one drop for a four drop there. It's like. That doesn't really matter that much at that stage of the game because your entire strategy is based around making that card bigger. 
So yeah, yeah, yeah think, your, your your deck building constraint was equivalent to them having four lands and a card. Right. But speaking Yeah, so Oh go ahead. Like I was gonna say, like what what ended up making zombies so powerful the previous time around was uh was a there was a bunch of anthems which was really huge because then you like any token type thing all of a sudden was big uh but also crit breaker was the huge thing just being able to just draw a ton of cards well they had three giant payoffs right ghoul callers whatever and the the dark salvation dark salvation was the other one too yeah it was like you know you have you have yeah, they basically there were a ton of huge payoffs. Like Champion of the Perished is a good aggro card, but it's not a payoff. Yeah, I would totally agree. Uh, but I want to bring something back to that you were saying, Brad, about this reckless storm seeker. You're saying, yeah, it's fine, but what about if you're playing against an Azekas chariot? What about if you're playing with one? Like play this and then turn four chariot crew, give it haste attack, make a make a token. That seems kind of obscene. Oh fuck, God. Oh Damn God. It. That yeah, that's that's oh, absurd. Fuck. You get six power what? off the cats. Azika's chariot is which four. card is this? This reckless storm it's, seeker. You just where think is of, it? I, I don't know what it is. So that's the it's, it's two color. It's uh, the third third red bottom from Mythic Spoiler. It's just uh, the third red card underneath the Moonvale region. It's just it's just a three drop that can give a creature haste the next turn. So you give chariot haste, so it's a five four that yeah. attacks on turn four, and you get to copy a cat, and your opponent like cannot do shit about it, or you wait till they're tapped out, and then you do this, you know, like that. Or seems you let them disgusting. trade with it, and you just put three wolves into play, and they double block. Yeah, you just put three cats into play, so all of a sudden you have six power, and you trade it off for a threat of theirs. That seems like ridiculously busted. Seems good. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yet again, Brian was <laughs> right about vehicles. Yeah, yeah. Vehicle vehicles are the absolute worst. I wish <laughs> I and every time I see it, it's like I see people like or a lot of the people that are, you know, involved in the card stuff, they love vehicles. I'm like, oh stop, please. <laughs> I hate vehicles so much. Oh, they're bad. But yeah, I think I think that's a good stop point. Yeah. I don't think we have to talk talk about i mean we're not we're not caged in to talk about any other cards really right um, yeah i yeah. mean i don't want to i don't want to tie people up too much so just don't even just don't even <laughs> <laughs> all right our last card to talk about before we end yes. today's episode is grafted identity it is a two colorless blue blue enchantment aura as additional cost to cast the spell sacrifice a creature enchant creature you control enchanted creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one plus one. Uh, Brian, this this card you wanted to add, and so I'm guessing you have something riveting to tell us about. Uh, I do actually. Uh, it is uh, seared into my memory, I guess you could say. I I just love that this card is just <laughs> from the movie Face Off. Like yeah. I I can't get enough of that. It is it is it looks like an amalgamation of Nicolas Cage and John Travolta's face as one face that's just <laughs> then grafted onto this creature uh, from Innistrad. I don't know. I, just, I can't get enough. It's too good. It is a pretty absurd card. But on a real note, pretty cute with Decay. Decay creatures, you know? If, the, if a blue-black zombie deck is going to exist, this would probably be a pretty good sideboard card. 
with all the decayed nonsense. I could see Maybe. that card. Act, I could see that card actually being okay in, yeah. in some sort of a deck, but yeah. I wish I wish it just you control enchanted permanent. Just take planeswalkers. Yeah, take or land. land. I mean, you're sacking <laughs> a creature. You're sacking a creature, man. Yeah, that seems or a pretty. chariot, or a chariot. Yeah, I just wish that you would. Yeah, it just it does. I don't think this card is going to be good enough. Yeah. Um, like I like that it would like not when a card like mind flare is in the format or whatever it's called. Mind flare. Is it Mind Flare? Mind Flare Something? is a card, yeah. Are, the, yeah, three colorless, uh, blue, blue, three, three, when it comes into play, gain control of a creature until it leaves. Mm. It's a three, three, Sower of Temptation. The, yeah. The one thing I can see for Grafted Identity is being a really sick card against a Coma deck, if that's a thing. Like, Grafted Identity, take Coma, and then get a Coma during their upkeep when you say go. You know, that... And like most of the most coma decks are not going to have great ways to remove enchantments, but I don't know that that could be a stretch. Yeah, it, it's I can see it being okay coma there. is good. Like the yeah. problem with coma is burning hands is going to be like literally all over the place. Oh yeah, give me those hands. Bring he's on that. They're gonna, he's going to be catching those hands for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think that this card, like, yeah, because it's creature only, it's like your phone's like chariot and Ren, and you're like, I'll steal your two two cat. <laughs> now it's a three three. <laughs> Wait a minute, no, right. no, 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 burning hands. Oh, that's kind of sick too. If this was for whatever reason, like a team oh, or yeah, mirror, like if you steal it, it becomes a seven seven. That is kind of disgusting. Yeah, but I'm saying <laughs> that people aren't going to play coma. Because they haven't grafted identity to it themselves. So they're going to get a burning hands too much. Touche, salesman. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> we can always just play other serpents beforehand to protect it. Yeah. Right. If serpent tribal. Let's, let's oh, there's make changelings. A, a serpent tribal deck. <laughs> just changelings. <laughs> Done. We play the 1-3 that kills Chariot, and then and then we can protect our... I mean, we broke it. We, we, we broke it. All I'm saying <laughs> oh, yeah. is there's going to be some annuls if any blue deck is around to like deal with uh, with Chariot. Not necessarily Grafted Identity, oh. but. Oh, is that is that a is that a really strong guess after seeing last weekend's tournament with annuls in people's decks? You know, it had a it that, had, is a, that a, it had some is that influence. A bold claim. It had. Well, no, 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 Bradley. That gave me the idea that a null was indeed in the format. Now, yes, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't remember. <laughs> I, I for sure did not remember. We did a lot of joking about a null on the broadcast for sure. Oh, yeah, I watched a lot of uh, the days where I was no longer participating. Mm, mm. Even got to watch a little bit on the days you were participating, I imagine. Actually, no, they had us running the rounds fast. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I didn't even get to watch my feature match. Um, but anyway, that's going to do it for our episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Next, we'll, we'll be back with some more awesome stuff. Um, keep in mind that this weekend is the SCG Tour on MTG Melee. If you go to MTG Melee on the front page, you'll see a little thing on Featured for our Star City Games. Click on there. You can join in on the tournament series. It's historic, and if you win it all you get qualified for the next uh, set championship that is happening in December. 
And the arena open. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can't and wait don't for that. about that arena open. Oh yeah, I'm going to be playing both this weekend. I wanted to. I'm considering playing both. I don't. I don't know. We'll see. The double Q. I never love it because, of course, I'm going to stream as well. But I might oh, have especially to. historic is going to be way worse. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm excited to stream it. All right. Well, anyway, without further ado, let's kick off the cast of crew. This is our wonderful supporting uh members of our patreon if you want to support the bachelor's podcast you can do so at patreon.com slash podcast uh we'd love to have you and we're going to be doing some updates here soon so for all of you that are a part of it things might be changing a little bit and we don't know what those exactly are going to be but just look out for our messages in the discord and in on patreon all improvements no disimprovements maybe <laughs> <laughs> all right first up we got to CeeLo. that's our good buddy we accidentally fired wait don't don't we have uh don't we have we, a job we did, yeah we did get a job we, for him, we yeah. got a job from to remember oh shit what well, i i forgot what oh, is it oh dang it we gotta we gotta quick find uh, this yeah he is uh he's bbd's personal middle manager that's right yes we needed uh, some yeah. we have we've you know we've had ceos in the past of course you know we we no longer have them because <laughs> well our ceos couldn't last for too long uh at this company but we've never had any middle management right now so to is going to step up and and help us out with that middle ground yep that's right <laughs> He'll uh, take credit for everything that was done by people underneath him and get blamed for mistakes that his bosses make. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So kind of a scapegoat, but for management, I guess. Yeah, that's that seems like a rough job, to be honest. It sounds like the best job. Hmm. I would love it. I'd love that job. Uh, I, one job I would not like, but a Adam does a wonderful job at it, is BBD's personal hype man. Now, I have had this job for a while, and uh, and it's it's not easy to to hype up things about World of Warcraft that you know nothing about. I don't know. I saw BBD's world winning picture, and it, you looked exactly like his hype man in the oh, background. I was, oh, for that, for sure. And now, oh, actually, actually, now that you've switched games, I definitely can be your hype man. True. Yeah. Now that we're both playing Storybrooke. Brawl, we can both hype each other up on that. Wait, what are you talking Shrink about? that Ray, motherfucker. What are you talking about? You're both rivals now. You can't be hyping each other up. You're uh, literally that's rivals. Right. Yeah. That's, you're right. Uh. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to issue a redaction via Brandon, the official BBP spokesperson slash scapegoat. It's a tough job. It's it's a it's a it's a tightrope that you gotta you gotta walk. Yeah, it's a thankless job, and a more I don't know, uh, unthankful job. I guess I don't know. I'll see myself out of this comment. Anyways, next up we got Steve, <laughs> and that is uh, the Bash Bros podcast Task Rabbit. Um, so you know, just putting stuff together instead of making sure it arrives to places which has no backstory at all behind it. Steve just puts stuff together now. We've, they, say, we've also, they, they, say, they say it's going to get here maybe by this week or next week. Yeah, it will, buddy. All right. We'll yeah. be here for you. <laughs> yeah. I just want my chair. I'd, I'd give it all up just for my fucking chair, man. Also, we've, we've placed Steve underneath uh, Tosillo. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> middle management already at work. Oh, smart. Right. Yep. Next up is DJ, who is the official copycat. And now what a copycat is, 
it is actually someone that even does less than middle management, but t- reaps all the credit by just regurgitating it to other people. Hmm. You know, all those all those like water cooler chats that, that, you know, DJ's taking credit for a lot of it. Hey, I did that for a while when I would uh, get decks from you and then go win a tournament with them. And then people would be like, oh, nice deck, Corey. So, yeah, I think I've done that before. Nice. Oh, many times. <laughs> All right, so we got Bino Gatista. So last we heard from Bino, oh god, he had escaped through a tunnel of shit mm. and had gone to work on a boat uh, in Mexico. Uh, unfortunately, while he was on the boat, it drifted across uh, the border into um, uh, U.S. waters, and he was actually picked up by ICE. Oh god, and oh, no. is now he's now detained in an ice facility because he didn't have his, his identification so uh yeah it's 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 a dangerous thing um now i hate to provide foreshadowing here but uh i have a feeling bino might become friends with some of the other detainees in this ice facility god i hope he's got a, a good brother on the inside like brad if i got yeah. locked up i think you'd really help me to get out of jail in a bunch of different ways i hope he has that kind of same support system so thoughts and prayers to bino for sure i thought I, yeah i heard they had like a meet and greet and uh i don't know he's he's really good at icebreakers so oh, okay okay that's a that's a pretty cool segue there so uh next up we got s Saruti, and that is our business analyst uh anytime we have some business to be analyzed especially for the aspros podcast that's going to be tons of business no anals and uh Sir- s will help us through that mm-hmm. all right we got god bless s Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> We got Wapa, who is the uh, Lord of Puff Puffs. Which love is, it. I, I love I, it so much. I guess with his last breath, he declared that to be uh, the new job. So hmm. I thought I was always Puff Puff Pass. Okay, never mind. Uh, next up, we got Adam. No, 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 no. You'd be great at this game because you do yeah. pass the Puff Puffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've never so heard of this is. game. This is a real game. It's Storybrook Brawl. Uh, it's, there's, a, there's a character. There's a character called Puff Puff. Oh my there's god! A Puff I should Puff, have known. There's, there's a hero that is a flying dog, and it's called Pup the Magic Dragon. Wow. Okay. Okay. I was joking with the <laughs> yeah. uh, with the insinuations, but holy crap! Storybrook Brawl just full on did it, huh? They were not joking with them at all. I guess. They went I guess full the, on. <laughs> I guess the game was created in Denver, so that makes a lot of sense. I guess, but yeah <laughs> next up oh the jokes the the jokes in the game are actually just beautiful they're really good well thought out i just yeah, stop telling me about the good part of the game i do not have time to play it yet and i've been very much wanting to so stop oh, telling me i can cool tell stuff. you about the bad parts of the game where it you, you just can't put it down oh yeah that helps me out because it's, it's so, so good. fun that you cannot do anything <laughs> else in life i'm on my way to giving that one up Next up, we got Adam, and that is our ghost writer. So anytime uh, there's the bros tempting me to play games when I'm trying to be a responsible adult and work, it's all actually Adam's fault. So, dang. You know what? Uh, You don't work all the time. You're just picking other fun things to do, like hanging out with your family. I know. It's fucking selfish of me, really. It, it very selfish much Selfish of yeah. them, actually. What was I thinking? Speaking yeah. of which, selfish, <laughs> David Watt, who is our special guest screener, um, I just, oh. I, I don't believe his screening anymore because the 
the riffraff that gets in here. Yes. Uh, Special guest flood floodgate should maybe be the the name. Just lets them in. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I think it's a great job has been done there. All right, we got Paul Kasarowski. Oh, that is my wall staring photographer. I opened a thing now, of Coke Zero, but it was a bottle and it was flat, so it didn't make a sound. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I, Corey <laughs> opened a bottle of flat Coke Zero from 2014. Yeah, and now I'm it's sad not, because not only did it not make a sound and make it to the broadcast, but it also is now flat and I don't want to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Anyways, BBD's wall-staring photographer, of course. And next up, we got Phil. Phil has just been really, you know, pulling up all the slack. Like, when we missed last week, Phil made sure to make sure and check all the boxes, made sure to check the boxes, uncheck the boxes that we needed unchecking, mm -hmm. dotted every T, and crossed every I, and here we are. Great work. Phil, wonderful job, as always. Really holding it, holding us up, doing uh, doing that thing you do. Things, the stuff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got Sol Nabasi, who is our designated man of dork. And for this week, I'm Ooh. I'm I'm gonna have to give it to Arlen the Muse Fury. Mm. Oh, Corey Corey's real big on the making mana ability on that card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Which card was that again? <laughs> Ar Ar Arlen. Oh the yeah, the add too. Okay, okay. <laughs> Got it. Yep. All right. Next up, we got Garamaldi, and that is our merch store manager. I think it is about shirt time, Bradley, now that uh, I, we were talking about the merch store. So I think we're going to be sending out shirts for our patron again. Once again, that doesn't mean yep. we're selling any. So, of course, this merch store is hemorrhaging huge. But you know what? Gare's trying to keep the ship afloat. Yeah, we had, we had to close one of our uh, four brick and mortar locations mm -hmm. because we have sold five <laughs> shirts total. Hey, not bad. Instead, not of a, bad. instead of a brick and mortar, have you considered making a brick and morty location? <laughs> mm, <probably> Hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. Hilarious. Thank you. You, should, you should tell that joke at our next office party, which will be coordinated by Patrick, our office party coordinator. Uh, Unfortunately, I, I won't be in attendance because of COVID-19 protocols. Mm, but... Mm. That ooh, do you speaking of speaking of COVID nineteen, you you know you can hate Walmart for literally everything but this mm -hmm. one thing. Um, they they actually I heard have a nationwide dress. They added masks to their dress code, hmm. so it's it's no longer like a a policy thing. It's just actual dress code policy. Yeah. So like, so at, if you don't wear it, you can't work. So at this point, Walmart's just to clarify everyone, Walmart's uh, dress code is now must wear a mask and then literally nothing else matters. That's 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 right. what we're up to now. <laughs> it's 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 yeah. No mask, no service. Shirt, shoes. That's completely fine. optional. Yeah, exactly. You don't need those. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last and least, we or sorry, no, never mind. No, no, no. I, 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 I was. You jumped <laughs> confused. the gun. I thought it. <laughs> I thought it might be uh, Doctor Unk still. But yeah. mm, no, Doctor Unk's quit. Yeah, that's right. Doctor, we'll miss you, Doctor Unk. Doctor Unk's was literally right. sick of our shit, which is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> yes, yes, he was. <laughs> I can finally unclench. Uh, we have we have Victor, and that is Brad's first place trophy holder. Unfortunately, the prediction that Brad would have a new trophy to hold after last week 
did not pan out. I think you uh, might have or crossed. If I'll ever hold, <laughs> or if I'll ever hold any of my trophies again. Right. Oh, that's a, that's a really good point. Brad, I think you at least crossed the minimum 17% win rate to get on the podcast, though. So you're set. I did. True. I did, in fact. Yeah, I was at 33. Nice. Got him. Nice. That's, that's actually really it. good. That's yeah. almost double. Yeah, so. that's crushing it. I am well. impressive. <laughs> and anyway, that'll do it for this episode of the Bash Bros Podcast. Thanks again for everyone for supporting us, listening to us, hanging out with us, and interacting with us on social media or on our Discord. We love you all, and we'll see you next week for another episode of the Bash Bros Podcast. Ooh, and an Aspros. Yeah.